All right, um, just as the last few are finding their seats, I thought I'd give a little bit of feedback on what last week's um, response was. So last week we talked about worship. Um, ooh, is my thing working? What happens if I click on that? Oh, oh there we go. Aha, aha, here we go. So this is some of the feedback we had last week. Last week we talked about worship and we asked how well are we empowering people to live a worshiping life and there's some really interesting responses and there's some common themes that came through. So what does a, a church that is really living a life of worship look like? I mean, some key things, um, a, a spirit of freedom and not being judgmental that creates a safe space for vulnerability. Um, a huge emphasis on wanting to see more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, allowing people to pray, to prophesy, to um, yeah, just use some of those different gifts in our context. A real desire for worship to be more than just a Sunday, which I think is really important. If it's just a Sunday service, it's not what Jesus is talking about. Um, a worshiping church carries an expectation of encounter. We expect God to show up when we gather together. I think that's really interesting. Um, some real good values. We want some unity. We want uh, to be able to hear God's word. Uh, a focus on prayer, which is really encouraging for me. Um, can I do a quick shout out? Upstairs in that office at 9.30 every Sunday, we have like a pre-service prayer meeting. And I know like when I was a kid, I was always like, ugh, pre-service prayer meetings. Honestly, that pre-service prayer meeting is the, almost the highlight of my Sunday each and every week. It is filled with people who just are crying out to God for what's gonna happen this morning and also the needs in our community. And if you want to be a, like, build a bigger expectation of what God's gonna do, can I encourage you, head up there at 9.30 for prayer with us. I'd love us to pack out that office so we can't fit in there anymore and we have to find a new space. Um, so we had, yeah, options for prayer. Um, and then finally, there's some practical ideas about different kinds of worship, which was interesting. Um, the next one that came up, there's some big obstacles. What are the things that challenge us to worship? Again, fear of judgment. Now, I wrote this in the email, but one thing that was super interesting from our feedback that we got last week is that 25 of all responses both the first question and the second, 25% of them had to do with wanting either a greater sense of freedom or wanting uh, being afraid of being judged. 25%. So almost everyone in here at some point was in a group that talked about feeling a little bit reserved or afraid of what people might think, which I think is really interesting. I'm not sure if that's a church thing, if that's a, a music thing, if that's a culture thing, but I'd love for us to talk about that in your groups at some point, because I think that's really, really fascinating. Um, some other things that, that hinder us, I thought, fair enough. So structure, sometimes our, our services and structures can be too tight and we don't go with this flow of the spirit. Um, busyness and distraction, that one was huge. So many people said it's so hard to worship God when there's so many other things we're trying to do and get done. It'd be fascinating to know how do we honor God with our time. Um, personal baggage, some of just our own baggage that we bring that makes it hard for us to worship and encounter God. Um, sometimes there's a lack of understanding and expectation, and then there were just some different miscellaneous ones, like uh, different musical preferences. And then there were some fun responses about like, there's one, some people in the group that really like when we gather because the music is loud enough that they can't hear themselves sing, while there's other people that are like, it's too loud and I can't hear myself sing. And so I was like, cool, so we'll fix that. Um, we'll get music that's loud but not too loud, an environment that's environmentally but not too environmentally. Perfect, we'll do that perfectly. Um, so just some interesting things and certainly some things that we as the elderships are, pr are praying for, and I'd encourage you to be thinking about that as well, particularly 
that freedom from judgment and self-consciousness. I think that's really interesting, and at some point, we'll, we'll need to spend some more time thinking about that. But how did you get on? Today, we are talking about discipleship, and the reason that we're doing this is that we are in the midst of, if I go back a few, we're in the midst of a vision series. We're looking at who is God calling us to be for the future. We're trying to build a building. We're trying to move forward, and it's really important that we hear from God who we're called to be. But the way we're going about this is we're not trying to just hear from me, the pastor who went up to the Papamoa Hills and had the vision from God, and then I come back and tell you what the vision is. As a Baptist church, we believe most firmly that we hear God, not from the front, but from the center, amongst the community. And so we're spending a lot of time listening to each other, because I believe that as we listen to our voices, whether you are a stalwart member that's been here from the beginning, or whether this is your first time, I believe Jesus can speak through you. And we want to hear that, which is why we're doing things the way that we are. So when it comes to discipleship, so we've looked at mission, we've looked at worship, and today we're looking at discipleship because we believe God is making all things new and by doing these basic things that every church has done. So on discipleship, I asked you on a scale of one to five, how well do you think we are at creating disciples of discipling people to follow Jesus? So one is we're not doing a very good job, and five is we're doing an amazing job, yay us. What I'm going to ask you to do is on the count of three, I want your hands up, and I want to gauge whether it's one, two, three, four, five. Okay? Pretty simple. Not complicated. Everybody understand this? Nods, shakes, cool. All right, so on a scale of one to five, how well are we discipling people? Hands up. One, two, three, go. All right. All right, keep them up, keep them up. Hands up, keep them up, nice and high. Nice and high, nice and high. Okay, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. We got, we got a 10. I don't know if that's cheating, but I like it. Uh, we got some threes, quite a few fours, quite a few fours, a lot of threes, a lot of threes, a lot of threes, a lot of threes and a lot of fours, cool. And a couple of twos. All right, so what I'd like to hear is if you were a four or a five, can you put your hand back up? If you're a four or five, what, where did you guys go? Come on, we talked about not being self-conscious. You can do this, we wanna hear from you. If you were four or five, can you check your hand up? Bruce, go ahead, you'll break the ice for us. And then I'd like to hear, what are we doing well? Why did you think we were four or five? I think the small groups are working really well and the discipleship is happening in there. Mm -hmm. But we're also a good, friendly bunch of people mm. and, and we care about each other and we, uh, we're listening for when there's support and help needed. Mm -hmm. Cool, awesome. Other fours? Other fours? Here we go. Oh, you're, you're Vicky, yeah. Oh. I was gonna say, I initially started saying one because I was looking at it from my perspective. Right. That I'm not good at discipleship. Right, yes. But then as we talked, I looked at it from the church perspective. Yeah. And you, Colin, provide such discipleship for us. Oh, thank that's you. why I gave a four. Oh, cool. Oh, thank you, Vicky. Well, that's nice. Any more fours? I could use some more fours. Any other fours? Um, they don't need to be related to me. It, yeah, we got some back here. This is really helpful. Honestly, the elders were listening to this. We want to know what we're doing well. Oh, we got Esther at the back. Awesome. From um, the parents. Cool. Oh, my goodness. That's my voice. I'm way down the back. So... I am a busy young kind of mum, and it's nice that we've got connect groups that actually cater to all different facets of the community. I thought that there wasn't that available, but then I found that the play group has been really helpful for me. 
Um, and it's been really challenging because you, Colin, have those sermons that, um, I don't know, you're, you're, you don't stick with safe topics. <laughs> and part of discipleship is the challenging part. It's not just making us feel all lovey-dovey and, you know, smoothing our feathers. Um, mm. Well, that's what I think anyway. I think you should be going to church to actually be challenged and not just going to say hi and eat a nice piece of cake. So, Come on. There we go. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Esther. And then, Carl, I think we had one more just over here at the back. It would be really cool to hear. Oh. <laughs> hi, it's Elaine. Hi. <laughs> um, hi. Um, yeah, well, I, I think that the whole of the church here is just so welcoming. I mean, for me, sort of... You know, everyone's been very supportive. And even through COVID, I got people ringing me to see how I was because I live alone. And it's just, it's like one big family. And I think, yeah. And with you at the helm, brilliant. Oh, thank you. This doesn't need to be about me, but I'm not going to say no. It's quite nice. Um, Cool. All right. What about some of the threes? I'd love, there were quite a few threes. Why did you put your hand up for three? I'd really, really, genuinely really like to hear any threes. There were heaps. Come on. Come on. Where are some threes? Where are some threes? Here we go, Brendan, yeah. I think uh, society is against discipline and accountability. So Mm -hmm. we're in a culture where it's difficult to tell somebody um, this is the way you should be living. Mm. And so as a church, it's it's a challenge for us to uh, create structures of discipline um, and accountability, but concur with the others that um, in terms of friendship and natural uh, groupings, um, that's working well, and also with, with uh, life groups as well. Cool. Yeah, so there are some cultural things that we struggle to push up against, totally. Yep. Any other threes? Yeah, Nat, awesome. Um, I think we do really well internally inside this church with our support groups, but yeah. possibly not outside the doors. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Thank you, Nat. Any other threes? How are we doing at empowering people to become disciples of Jesus? Any other threes? Any other? Yeah, Ian. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I thought three because that's moderate. I think the home groups and some of those things are going really well, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of really real discussions. I guess to get higher, it would be how are we looking at. Um, providing clarity on what discipleship is and some of those disciplines and what's it look like and people who struggle with it, how are they sharing and how those are doing really well. And I think we, in life you go through harder times and easier times, so how do we connect people up at those times as well across my mind and also in different roles. What's discipleship look like as a, as a husband, you know, as a father, as a community member in the workplace? So mm. I think you could look at it in the different roles we have in life as well. But cool. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, and I think we're poised and the connect groups are a great start to go into this space. Cool. Awesome. So there's yeah, some positive areas that we're doing, but can do some clarity. Yeah. And some intentionality. Great. Any twos? There were a couple of twos. I didn't see any ones. Any twos? I would genuinely love to hear what are the, yeah. Where are the areas that we could grow? What, what do you see? Um, I think it, it's, it's exactly what's kind of been said, where it's like the, the um, connect groups are amazing, but it, I think that's more community-based, where yeah. there's a fantastic community here. But discipleship more to me is more like, when I think about it, is like Jesus walked around and grabbed disciples and grabbed people and pulled them in. Yeah. And it was kind of like the very beginning of walking people through the, 
the very first step of um, walking through faith, and then you, I guess you're more into community. That's the way I've viewed the discipleship mm-hmm. side of it, mm-hmm. which would be more like your kind of alpha groups yes. type, type things where I think there's a, yeah, a, a great community, but a, a ways to go in. If somebody walked in here saying this is how you get, get onto God's page or something, I don't yeah. know. So, but, but yeah, 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 I hear that. Yeah, that's really, really good. So the community stuff is good, but can we be more intentional? Yeah. 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 Cool. Awesome. Any other twos? I, genuinely, this is really helpful. Yeah, we got one um, just back there. Again, I know this is weird. Often churches are like, don't ever allow any negativity. This is really helpful for us to know how we grow. That doesn't mean you're disloyal. This is what we need. Yeah, go ahead. Mine's a two because there's so much more of God that we need and that we need to share and that we need to spur people on with. And it sort of ties up a bit with the worship. It's like it's Holy Spirit. He just wants us to have so much more and to walk like Jesus. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. That's really, really helpful. So there's quite a few fours, quite a few threes, a few twos. It's really good to know kind of where we're at and some spaces where we can grow. Thank you, Carl. That's great. Um, Yeah, today we're talking about discipleship and we're asking the questions of, Look, if we believe that God is making all things new in and through Jesus, and that happens on a big societal level that we believe Papamoa can look different as, we, as Jesus meets the needs of homelessness, poverty, insecurity, anxiety, we believe that God has a social view of what our neighbor could look like. But also, that happens internally. This isn't just a social welfare program, but we are transformed. We're made new as we turn and we follow Jesus. And that language that we'd use for that is discipleship. In fact, um, Jesus, in his very, very last message to us in Matthew at the end, as he's headed back up to heaven, he's in charging his disciples with a task. He says, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, often this verse is an evangelism verse when we talk about it. It's the importance of sharing our faith with other people, and it's going out to all the world, and that is important. But if you'll notice, there's a key word that Jesus uses in the midst of that sentence. What is it that we are to make? Disciples. Disciples, which is slightly different from converts which is different from cultural Christians, which is different from just getting people across the line so they can go to heaven. No, he calls us to make disciples. And it made me think, um, is that, yeah, yeah. It made me think the other day I was out with my kids at the beach and uh, we were playing and they're having a great time. And as we were there, I was watching another family with their kids kind of play in the water. We're sitting there doing our same thing and I can see this other family there. And in this, this is so interesting, this family had two kids of like slightly different ages and it was so fascinating to see the way that they treated the water. You know, the parent was just in between, kind of looking out for both of them. But they had one kid that was just a bit more timid, right? I mean, it was quite a wavy day and to be fair, the kid was probably smart. But this kid was... She was just a little bit timid of getting into the water. And so as the waves would come, she would like move forward until there was a crash and then she would be terrified and run away. And then she'd get like a little bit braver and then she would let it just like run over her ankles. And she was like, that was her. 
That was her space, right? And if it ever went like up to mid shin, she was freaking out and like running back to the sand or desperately looking onto someone's hand. And then the whole time that we were there, she never went more than slightly ankle deep. She's full togs and everything, but never went more than the ankles. Then there was the other kid who was only a little bit older, but totally different in their view towards the, the water. Right? While this one's there and the parent's trying to look after the little one, the other kid is like literally just running headfirst into the waves and the parent's like, don't, don't die! You know, like they're getting in there and as the waves are hitting them, it's hitting them on their waist and they're just laughing. They're living it up. They're like stuck in there. They're sitting down so that the wave goes and like hits them on their chest and then they're jumping back up. And it was very cold water that day, mind you, as well. I still don't understand how kids don't feel the temperature of the water. Honestly, even my kids, they're there and they're like, this is fine. I touch it and I'm like, ha, 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 um, But this other kid was just in the midst of it. And even there were a couple of points where as the waves hit, hit him, he just toppled over, right? Like literally that wave, poof, he was gone under the water. And you could see him like flailing and he gets up and the parents there trying to help them up and get them up there. And I thought that was going to be the end of it. Um, but no, they get up laughing, just laughing their heads off, get back up wipe the water on their face and then ready for the next thing. And they were there for honestly half an hour. One of them only ever just in their ankles, not a step further, and the other one just stuck right in the thick of it. And as I was watching that, I couldn't help but think these discussions we're having about discipleship and the discussions that we're having about faith and how it's such a beautiful metaphor for how often we approach faith from different perspectives. And how easy it is when we talk about faith and following Jesus, how easy it is for so many of us to stay in the shallows for most of that time. How a lot of our faith journey can just be a Sunday experience where we went to some event and we probably prayed some prayer. We might have gone to Easter camp when we were 15 and had a really big experience and that was really meaningful. And then you kind of stayed in youth group and then you got married and then your kids were going crazy and you thought, well, someone needs to teach them morals and God knows I don't know how to. Uh, so, you know, you just attend Sundays and that's it. It's the thing you do. Now, increasingly, those people are becoming rare in society, but it's so easy, right? For us to look at faith, the journey, the, the, the walk with Jesus and stay in the shallows for so long. There's actually some good sociological research um, showing that this is increasingly the case um, amongst churchgoers. Uh, see if I have it here. So Barna did a massive study. Uh, you can read it all in a book called Faith for Exiles. Um, fantastic book. They surveyed about 1,500 uh, young adults in America. Now, I apologize that the research is American. It's just really hard to get New Zealand research. If any of you wanna, where's Brooke? Brooke, become an academic and start doing good qualitative New Zealand research, I would be very thankful. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so they surveyed about 1,500 uh, American Christians, or who had at some point identified as Christian, and they asked them a whole bunch of questions. They talked to them about their attendance at church. They talked to them about their theological beliefs. They talked to them about the personal meaning that they find in their faith. They talked to them about their habits, their prayer life. It was an incredibly expansive list, and it was a huge amount of research, colossal amount of data. And when it came back, they were able to sort people into roughly four groups. 
of people. And so there was, um, let's see if you can read it, I'll come look over here. So the first one, 20, 22% they called prodigals or ex-Christians. So at some point they had some level of faith, it might have been a youth group experience, it might have been a, a childhood family experience, but they had faith. But over the course of their life, they've kind of lost that. They wouldn't identify as Christians anymore um, and don't really find any meaning from spirituality. So that's 22% are nomads, or prodigals. Then 30% were nomads. And what they called were nomads were people who still identified as Christian, but they didn't really attend any worship services. They didn't attend any church regularly. Um, they didn't really have any ha spiritual habits or practices. They didn't often read scripture or pray. They might have prayed a little bit, but it's very lax. And so they called themselves nomads of some level of identification of faith, but not really any outworking that into practical experience. So that was 30%. So half of the people that they surveyed either had no faith or were nomads, right? Then the next group that they looked at were called the habitual churchgoers. So these were people that um, would still say they regularly attended church, and by regular, that was once a month. So they'd once a month go to church. Um, they had some level of spiritual practices, but they were pretty hit or miss. Um, they had some beliefs that were in common with what you'd consider like Orthodox Christians, but they weren't deeply held, and particularly when it talked about the personal interaction of their faith on their lives, it got way lower, right? So of this survey, 22% were prodigals, 30% were nomads, and 38% were habitual churchgoers, which left 10% is what they called resilient disciples. These were people who were embodied in a faith community. It wasn't just about attending, but they were involved in relationships as part of that community. It showed people who were praying, who were worshiping, who found meaning in their faith that talked and regularly about experiencing God's love in their own lives. They talked about hearing God's voice, and they also talked about their faith impacting their outward behavior. So it changed how they worked. It impacted their jobs. It impacted the way that they lived in their lives. And when I looked at that, I, A, I was amazed because I was like 1,500 massive surveys and qualifying all that data is a lot of work. And then also I got really sad. 10%, if we're using that imagery of like, who's in the shallows and who's actually going deep and allowing the, the life of Jesus to transform them, 10%. And this is in America, which is more religious than New Zealand. I'd be fascinated to know what those stats are here. I would suspect they're even lower than that. Wouldn't surprise me if we were down to seven, 6%. And so we have a discipleship crisis. The challenge is that there's a level of spirituality that's out there, and there's an element where people want to know Jesus and they want that to fill their lives a little bit, but Jesus didn't call us to make converts. The goal of the church is not just to get people across the line. What's that, Craig? You got the stats for New Zealand? Oh, for Tauranga. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, so in 50% of people were Christians in Tauranga in 2006 on stats, yeah. So the, the challenge with that data is um, how, do you, how do you identify between a nomad, a habitual churchgoer, and a resilient disciple on that framework? So it'd be really, really fascinating, but it just leads us to make us think that there's this crisis in discipleship, and how do we take people beyond the surface level?
Because if our vision as a church is we believe that God is making all things new and that an experience with Jesus is utterly transformative and you become like a new creation when you meet him, then we have a real challenge on our hands because sociologically that's happening at a very rare rate. Um, Oh, we'll look at that later. I can send that out. Those are just some of their responses. Um, Dallas Willard, who's a bit of a spiritual formation guru, says the most telling thing about the contemporary Christian is that he or she simply has no compelling sense that understanding of and conformity with the clear teachings of Christ is of any vital importance to his or her life, and certainly not in any way that is essential. One of the biggest challenges, Dallas Willard says, is a discipleship problem getting people beyond the surface of Christianity down into the depths. And uh, Jesus himself, uh, if, before you get too depressed, Jesus himself had this issue. Um, as he's finishing his great sermon uh, on the mount or on the hill in Luke, he finishes this amazing set of teachings with this really strong line in the sand commandment to people saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? and do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When a flood came and the torrent struck that house, uh, uh, came and torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So there's a real challenge, even Jesus himself is saying, it's not, it's good that we introduce people to Jesus. That's important. It's, a, it's great that they experience some of his life and they call themselves Christians and that's great. But our hope is to take people deeper than that. That each of our lives and everyone who's a part of us, we don't just build our, our lives on the sand, but we build our lives on the teaching and life of Jesus. Uh, this, is, oh, this is Dallas Willard. I forgot to change the thing. Dallas Willard says, how life-giving would it be if our understanding of the gospel allowed us to simply reply, I will do them, talking about Jesus' words. I will do them. I will find out how. I will devote my life to it. This is the best life strategy I've ever heard of. And then to go off on our fellowship and teachers and into our daily life and learn how to live in his kingdom as Jesus indicated was best. This is the challenge of discipleship. We believe that heaven and earth are coming together. That is the gospel. God is meeting with us. And that's happening not in our world, but in our lives. God's love, justice, and peace is meant to flood every part of us and little by little, the brokenness within us, the injustice, the sin, that is supposed to move its way out as we become people of love. That is the heart of discipleship. And my heart and my prayer is that we would be known as Golden Sands as people who are passionate about that. That we would be people that don't just sit at the surface, forever letting the water just wash over our ankles thinking, yeah, this is good. I had enough of a Sunday treat. Colin preached a slightly edgy sermon that makes me feel cool. But not let it transform any other part of our lives. Because the truth is, if you want to follow Jesus, there is no part of your life that he does not lay claim to. 
There is no part of your whole experience that is not involved in discipleship. Is it theology? Absolutely. Is it building right beliefs? Totally. Do we need to get a better understanding of who God is? Yes, that is part of our discipleship. Is it learning how to pray and actually live a life in communion with God, learning how to read the scriptures, learning how to understand them well so we don't misuse them, but also let them be a source of life to us? Yes, that is part of discipleship. But it also affects your job. Where you are employed, you should be a different boss because of Jesus within you and you should be a different employee because of Jesus within you. This should change how you hire and how you spend and how you orient yourself as a company. Relationships. This affects your marriage, how you relate to your spouse, how you parent your kids, your sons, your daughters. And if you are a kid, this changes also how do you relate to your parents. Right relationships is key as part of discipleship. Finances, spending, yup, you betcha. Jesus regularly said, you wanna follow me? Great, start giving more stuff away. Because right now your finances are holding you. Discover the kingdom of God and generosity. Yeah, this affects your bottom line as well. That's not meaning just give to the church, you just need to start giving to other places too. Not just giving with your money, but giving with your time. That's part of following Jesus. This affects your politics, as we well know. We talked about that. This changes how you interact on Facebook. If you are a follower of Jesus, the comments you put need to reflect that journey. There is no part of your life that is outside the bounds of Jesus' call. And how do, my question is, how do we as a church continue to go on that journey, each and every one of us? Because my hope is that we become people of love at the end of it. And the danger is we could be 60 years old, have spent 40 years following Jesus, and still be a wildly immature, difficult person to be around. And some of you are nodding your head because you know those people. <laughs> right? My prayer is that we're a church where that doesn't happen to anyone. Right? Instead, I would love for our end goal to become people of love. That whether we're 5, 20, 50, 80, when people encounter us, they, they encounter a mature Christian whose life is surrendered to the gospel. And you know those people when you've met them. You've had conversations with them. I mean, shout out, they're not going to like it. Uh, I had coffee with Shirley and Malcolm Montgomery the other week. Um, it, it, was, it had been a busy week for me. Uh, there had been some real difficult things on my plate and I was feeling stressed about the church and wanted to go visit them. And I confess, part of me was like, I should go visit them. I haven't seen them. This is really important to do. I walked into their house and it was like walking into the presence of God, walking into a room of love. I went to go visit them and ask them how their relationship are going. Are they finding their feet in the church? They spent the entire 40 minutes pastorally caring for me. And then at the end of that, they then spent 15 minutes praying for me. And honestly, I wept in your living room because, uh, wow. Um, I wept in your living room because I was in the presence of people who have lived their lives in faithful discipleship to Jesus. And when you've been there, you know the difference. It's way different than being stunted. I don't want to see us when we're in the age of 60 still not able to relate or do basic communication skills. 
wildly emotionally unintelligent and wounding the people around us. The call of Jesus is a call to depth, to discipleship, to love. Dallas Willard, I'm just gonna finish with this. He says this, and of course it is discipleship, real life apprenticeship to Jesus that is the passageway within the kingdom. From initial faith in Jesus to a life of fulfillment and routine obedience. That means how to live within the range of God's effective will, his life flowing through mine. Another important way of putting this is to say that I'm learning from Jesus to live my life as he would live my life if he were I. I'm not learning to do everything he did, but I'm learning how to do everything that I do in the manner that he did all that he did that we live lives that reflect the gospel. Honestly, if our vision is to make all things new, we can do all the social programs in the world outside of our doors. But if we here are not being transformed by the gospel, it doesn't mean anything. If people go and they go to a food bank and they're loved, that's great. But if the people who serve them that food are angry, jealous, insecure, that's not the gospel. All things new starts with us in your life and in my life. Oh, that's a wrong slide. Um, here we go. So we gotta go beyond the shallows. We gotta be like the kid that is chucking themselves in the deep end and it's terrifying in the deep end sometimes. In good discipleship, it's scary as you hit hard conversations and you feel overwhelmed by the waves and it's icy and uncomfortable sometimes, but that is where the life is. It's not in the shallows. It's in the depths. And so what we're gonna do now is I want to hear from you. How can we do this better? How can we grow in this ability? How, if you were to dream what your life would look like being well discipled by Jesus, what would that look like? What I'm gonna ask is just like we've done for the last few weeks, I want us to gather in groups. And if hosts, if you could begin to um, come around and we've got fancy clipboards this time. I want you to talk about this question because it really, really matters. And I deeply want us to be a whole community that as we grow old, we become more like Shirley and Malcolm. People of love, of grace, who look out for the needs of others before our own. Does that sound all right? So what you're gonna do is in your groups, you're gonna get around and I have two questions for you. One, what would an effective discipling church look like? Maybe it's characteristics. Maybe it's the characteristics of some really well-discipled people that you know. You can write those down. Maybe there's some programs that we can grow in, some intentionality that we can build into what we do. Maybe there's some ideas we haven't thought of. Maybe it's just a picture, a big picture of what the, that big thing could look like. But I want us to hear and talk together. What would an effective discipling church look like? All right? Because I need to hear from you. I can't do this on my own. I need to hear from you, through Jesus, through you, about how we can best do that. This is very important to me. So let's break into groups of five or six. We have clipboards and pens every time, so we're not doing stickies anymore, which is nice. I won't lose those. Can I invite you to just circle up your chairs with the people around you, introduce yourselves, and then work through this question together. And then there's one more that I'll have for you. Let's gather together. What would an effective discipling church look like? All right, let's begin to draw that to a close, draw that to a close. Um, 
And what I want to hear is, again, Carl's just going to run around the mic, and I just want to hear one or two top things from your group. What are one or two top things of what an effective discipling church would look like? Let's, uh, yeah, let's hear. Just one or two top things. So our top one um, had to do with sort of an openness and vulnerability and actually being willing to share our own experiences with others and then being able to accept criticism and learn from that as well. Cool. Vulnerability. That plays in a lot with the fears of insecurity that we had around worship too. That's really interesting. Yep. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Keep it short, Brent. Keep it short. Snappy. Snappy. Hey, we're just feeling the freedom of the Lord here. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm going to come in with that structure. Um, yeah. So we've got here accountability, courage to prod, willingness to respond. People were morally saying developing a culture that allows accountability. Cool. And within that, there's possible programs, men's groups, female groups that develop that love relationships so you can have accountability. Mm. Yep, so some values that might develop into programs. I like having values first. That's cool. Yeah. Um, we've got by word of testimony, be able to be vulnerable. If you're not going to be vulnerable, you're not going to do anything. Be intentional with your own discipleship. Um, aiming to relate to people about Jesus more than friendship. More awesome. than friendship. Cool. Message would be focused towards discipleship. Uh, inviting people to attend, cool. whatever. That, that's great, Win. That's great. Just, just a couple of highlights. That's really good. Thank you. And we'll just do this last one and then we'll go on to one other question. Yeah. Okay. Um, we talked a lot about the language used in teaching and how that needs to be more accessible and um, teachable. Cool. Really good. All right. Let's, we'll, we'll come back to this group in a second just because we'll, we'll come back there on the next round. There's one more question I'd like you to ask, and I think this one's really, really interesting, and I would find this super helpful. In terms of areas of discipleship, what areas or topics do you think need the most attention within our community? Is it, uh, it could be anything, like it can be spiritual life, it could be prayer, how to do better prayer stuff. It could be personal issues, how to deal with grief or fear or anxiety. It could be theological questions, how do we understand the gospel well? I don't know, relational struggles, how to be a good parent, sibling, job. Uh, I don't know because I live in a little cloistered space where I hang out with all lovely Christians all the time. So I need your help to know what do you think are the biggest areas or topics that need the most attention in our discipleship to Jesus. Does that make sense? What are the biggest things that we probably need to focus on? Maybe there are a couple of highlights to help us be more faithful disciples of Jesus. We'll take a few minutes with that and then we'll come to a close. Go for it. All right, let's look at coming back together. And um, we're just gonna hear from this side of the room. And again, this is gonna be really, really helpful for me. I mean. I'm already in the midst of planning everything for next year, so it'd be really helpful to know what areas could we focus in on to really help us in some of the growth in our faithfulness to Jesus. So Carl, um, do you mind just grabbing the microphone? And you can start with that group right there. That's really lovely, and they're, they're ready to go. Just one or two top things that kind of came out of your group. Helen. Top areas. Areas or topics. Okay, the, the two top ones for us were uh, mentoring and accountability to each other. So, for example, prayer partners and, um, and mentoring kind of purposeful relationship 
yeah. um, connecting and accountability. Cool. Um, and then some teaching uh, on how to share your faith, because we all kind of describe the fact that we're all keen to share our faith, but sometimes um, there's that lack of um, knowing how to, um, with some EQ, cool. <laughs> actually have those conversations. Yeah, awesome. It's really helpful. Yeah. Uh, letting ourselves be open to what God uh, would want to do through us. Um, start with the foundations of the Bible and what it means and how we'd go about it. And then why, as Tony said, the key commandments are to love God and to love each other. How do you do that practically? And then who are the role models? What's the peer support and buddying? Cool. Awesome. Great. Um, we have... Um, dealing with the busyness in order to set time aside for spiritual life mm. and a lot about listening to others non-judgmentally how to relate to people and how to get healthy relationships yeah healthy relationships cool really good um, we discussed that you come alongside people to uh, who, who you know go through difficult times um, like grief or, or being overwhelmed by child rearing so it, it comes down to serving one another. Mm. Um, you could become a grandparent to children who don't have any, or you, you know, um, just just come alongside when you see yeah. something happening. Cool, awesome. Um, the thing that we thought kind of needs the most attention, that's what the question was, was yeah. you need to start with your own spiritual life first. Yeah. So if you're walking with Jesus in the other situations, like the other examples up there, um, that come up in your life, you'll kind of know how to sort out those a little bit better mm -hmm. if you are walking with Jesus, if you're reading your Bible and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you that way as well. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Great. One last group. Let's hear. I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> a big um, thing that we talked about was loneliness and connection. Um, yeah. Building discipleship into the newcomers who come not just the ones already plugged in cool um, getting everyone connected and knowing each other and uh, having potluck lunches and that kind of thing awesome great it's really really helpful thank you so much um, I mean maybe if I do my job right I'll have my whole preaching series for next year done out of these feedbacks which would be lovely um yeah, thank you for taking the time. I really do appreciate this. I go through these every week and the elders have read these every single week. So it's very, very meaningful in shaping our future direction. Um, we're gonna finish up here, but I, could I encourage you, let this not just be an exercise, but know that the voice of Jesus is actually calling to you today to leave the shallows and to go deeper in your own life. And here at Golden Sands, there's a space and a community that is willing and ready, imperfectly, to try and do that journey with you. Let's go deeper together, church. Um, if you would like prayer, I think there's still some teams that, are, uh, here that would love to pray with you. If there's something that's been raised up during the service, they would love to pray. But let me finish by saying, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And this week, May you know his peace. God bless, church. We'll see you in the connect groups and through the weeks. Don't be afraid to come here for prayer. We would love to pray with you. God bless. You.